Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Usually each week we discuss a chapter from the Harry Potter series, but today we're doing something a little different. I'm Robin. And I'm Bayana. Today we're doing another bonus episode. Um, this episode is a recording of a panel we did at LeakyCon 2017 in Ireland with director Shade Portia, where we talk about race and Harry Potter. It's called Mutual Respect and Kinship. Um, really quick announcements. Use the hashtag Wizard Team on Twitter to follow along. You can also tag and follow us at We Black and Nerds. Um, submit to Hogwarts BSU and imagine life as a Black Hogwarts student. If you would like to submit, check out the website for the guidelines. Become a Patronus or send us a cheering charm at blackgirlscreate.org slash donate. If you want to support us but don't have the funds to do so, or even if you do, rate and review us on iTunes. And subscribe to our newsletter. Follow us on social media and join our Slack channel. Um, we don't have any news. We'll talk about that during our regular episodes if there is any. Um, only other thing we want to say is happy, happy Black, Black Wizard, Wizard History, History Month. Month. You know what I'm saying? We're releasing this in celebration of Black people and Black wizards and Black Potterheads. So shout out to that. You know, there's going to be stuff coming out. It's pretty early on in the month. It's going to be stuff coming out every day. So stay tuned. Be constantly vigilant. Hope you enjoy our panel on mutual respect and kinship. Create. Um, okay. yeah. I'm the co-founder of Black Girls Create um, and the co-host of Wizard Team podcast, um, where we go through the chapters, well, we go through the book chapter by chapter um, and just talk about what we think about them. Um, it sometimes rambles on for like two or three hours, but it's really fun. Um, and yeah, I want you to um, introduce yourselves as well. Oh, and I'm a Ravenclaw slash Hufflepuff. Nice. What's actually really great is this is like the second or third panel we've been on, but I've always introduced myself first, and then you're like, and, and I, I do those things too. So I'm Robin, and I do those things too. <laughs> I'm the other half of Black Girls Create and Wither Team um, co-host. I am a Ravenclaw, 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 and um, what was the other thing you said? Just what you do in your house. You're good. Oh, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. See? <laughs> Um, okay, I'm Portia Patterson. I am also a Ravenclaw. Um, I am an infrequent contributor to their Black Girls Create project. Frequent. She has a title. I. That's my title. She's the minister of shade. I am. <laughs> Specifically for Wizard Team. Head of the Department of Umbrellas and Awnings. Is it's, the, no, yes, it's, title. The, it's the official and title. And then, you know, no, like, Shield, shade. she's also it's the director shade. of Shade. Like, S-H-A-D-E. Did we figure out? No. Yeah, we figured it out, but I don't remember it. It's it's a long name. Supplying haughty anecdotes for deserving events. Yes. That was what it is. Which is why that's her department. Yeah. Um, so the reason we're here um, is to talk more about, um, I think it is mostly mostly just talking about, I guess, a lot of the recent um, kind of additions to the Harry Potter like universe and the Wizarding World, um, and specifically kind of the things that were coming out during, um, I guess, like the promo for Fantastic Beasts. Magic so, in North America. We're about to get into it. That's basically what we're doing. Um, specifically, <laughs> this quote that we put here, um, which we tend to bring up a lot when we talk on our podcast, um, where, so when Magic in North America came out, um, and I'm sure it's like 
bunch of you have read it, but it came out and a lot of people had questions about um, race and about specifically Native Americans. Um, I had some questions about um, black Americans, um, mainly just because it wasn't like slavery just was gone. Like, was she skipped? She went from happen? what, 1776 to the 19th century? And yeah, so, she was like, we're just not going to talk about it. I was like, what happened here? It's weird. But the quote that stuck out to me the most, right? So, like, we read all of these things and it's clearly problematic. And there are other, you know, it's clear she also didn't do a lot of research. Um, and also didn't want to wade into certain things um, and was very much trying to set up Fantastic Beasts without getting too controversial, but in doing that, you tend to do things that are controversial. Um, and so one of the things that came out of this was this quote, um, and I don't have it in front of me, and I kind of, I say it a lot, but basically there was a sense of mutual respect and kinship between um, wizards regardless of their race. Um, and so this was actually, and it was a response to a fan who, who was asking, asking about, like, specifically about race and um, within American wizardry. Um, I think he was more talking about the uh, Native Americans mm-hmm. and African American, but race relations in North America and how that translates translates into the American wizarding world. Um, and so this was her response. Um, and I mean, at that point, I was like, but that's not true. Like, it just can't be true. Um, <laughs> and not even, you know, that's a nice sentiment, right? And like, it would be great if that was the case, but also, it just is not, it's just not <laughs> the case at all. Um, so, yeah, so first, I mean, this is kind of just like a, we're just gonna play off of each other mostly, but just like, what was your reaction when you kind of saw that quote and? Yeah. Start with Agent um, of Shade. Um, sure. Uh, when I first saw the quote, I was kind of, um, I kept, I initially just thought about how the world is built itself and how, um, like, when it comes to conflict of, like, in character interest, like, she doesn't really go there when it comes to, just, like, social issues. She kind of, and that's, it goes back to, like, when we were talking about the, um, house elves and kind of how like they are given they're not a human form of like character like they're, ma- they're a magical creature classified but they're also like people they have sentiment ideas and they're but then they're also subservient and they're happy to be subservient and that it kind of gelled with that whole like there's mutual kinship with everyone but it's also like but there's also clear tiers of class that always happens like especially like wealthy like um like wealthy Malfoy versus um, like um, the poor Weasleys. So that's because there's always gonna be a class tier. So how would you not also build in these other tiers? Like you're, I feel like it's nice to think about those things and kind of be like, oh, but everyone respects them. I think it was in response to the magical North America, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and after reading that story, it was. I didn't understand how she could be comfortable in just stating that um, the Native Americans. We're just kind of like, oh yeah, like even though we like, like these people came over and colonized this area that was um, native to this other people, they were totally fine with it. The native people were, and we, they totally respected the native people. Like they all came together, and it all was great. They even knew they existed. They knew they, they existed before they anyway. came, and then came over anyway. With the colonizers, given them syphilis, but they had mutual respect and kinship and syphilis. Yeah, respect. 
children, and syphilis is what saw that happen. Smallpox. Um, Smallpox. <laughs> I mean, I think, and also, I think, you know, a lot of fantasy and like science fiction writers spend a lot of time like creating their own systems of oppression, and you know, and like basing them off of um, racism and sexism, those like isms that we already have and have to like deal with, um, without also dealing with those systems. So you know, and so it's like it's a it's a common thing that happens. Um, so for example, like blood parity and how that's a huge thing in, in Harry Potter and how that's like creates this like fascist leader who's like, yeah, all the muggles can die and I will be the person to kill them because they're not worth and like using this rhetoric that um, we see in the real world um, and then like finding this disconnect where you're like, really the Malfoys aren't racist? Like, really? I don't really believe, like, I just can't believe that. Like, oh, we hate all of these people, but like, oh, these, you know, whatever. Doesn't matter, especially, you, you can't know. date a muggle-born, that's terrible. You can't breed with a muggle-born, as my favorite series of mother likes to say. Shame, um, shame of my flesh. Shame of my flesh. Um, but you can, yeah. A person of a different color, of course. Why not? That seems perfectly fine. It, yeah, I mean, I know. To me, like, it just, you know, because, especially because it's, we have muggle-borns, like, who come into this world, right? And so they're not, um, they're not without those stereotypes, you know what I mean? People aren't born with these ideals, but at that point, they're 11, and, like, you know, they still go home, and, you, you know, they still have some kind of attachment to the muggle world as well, and, and then I think with, um, Magic in North America, they were saying that the majority, at least at the very beginning, the majority of witches and wizards in America were muggle-born, um, which also brings up a whole other thing about, like, so then what happens if one of these muggle-born, like, people are enslaved, and so then they have magic, and then what? They, they leave and get, never see their family again and leave them enslaved. leave their parents there? Look at Hermione. When the last time Hermione went home? I'm magical. Bye, guys. Peace. And it just doesn't seem realistic. And so, I don't know, I think with, with, with this quote and then with also just the writing, it felt like, I mean, it just wasn't fully thought out, obviously, and like just thinking through just these different systems and how they really do inform our world and they're not, you can't just like, they don't just disappear. That just doesn't happen. I think another thing to think about is we are obviously we're all from America and we could look at this from an American perspective and we are also all African Americans so we have our own um, we come into it from our own lens and our own experiences and every reader is coming into these books from their own lens and their own experiences um, we try to be very like cognizant of the fact that like racist systems are different in the UK and in Britain, but they're still there. Um, we went to um, the Chris Trout last year, and we were talking to someone, and he was like, well, why do you guys say you're black? Like, um, we like, why is it black girls create? Like, why would you, like, you know, emphasize that you're black? And I was, that's because we are. <laughs> that's our experience, and, you know, there's a, not a lot of, you know, content coming out, like, from this experience, and um, uh, the response is like, oh, we, we just don't do that here. We just don't, that just isn't a thing here. And I, and I was like, well, when we landed in London, there was a Black Lives Matter protest happening in London, at so at the airport. So 
it is here, you just choose not to see it. Um, I think that's a really big problem with um, Joe's activism is, and she's and she's great, right? We like she's and, the reason we're here. <laughs> she's the reason we're here, um, and intention is important. Like she's the right intentions, but if you willfully choose not to see something, then you're erasing people's people's experiences. And when you have a platform and a brand and a a world, I mean, we're all here, right? So like, this is what she built. Um, you have a responsibility, I think, to, um, you have a responsibility to, to think about those things, especially because we, we spoke to someone of uh, Native American descent after um, North Mina came out, and um, one thing that they said that I thought was really important was like they're struggling for visibility now to get people to see that like they still exist. They're not fictitious, right? They're not a fantasy trope. And so to have someone with the like power and name brand of um, J.K. Rowling just reinforce those tropes that they're struggling against when they have very real um, problems that they're facing is doubly harmful. And it was and it's a difference I think between being willfully ignorant um, and being just not thinking about unaware. Yeah, and being unaware. Thank you. And um, and I think one of my biggest issues is that when someone the the thing with this tweet is that someone came out and tried to make her aware and asked her a pointed question, and she just glossed over it. And this is a very dismissive tweet to me. Um, I guess I'll get into my Serafina Pickery rant later. Um, yeah, does anyone else have... I also just you know, want to open this up. I don't want it to be just yeah. like talking at you. So if you anyone like else has thoughts, questions, questions comments, like comments, anything, yeah. yeah. Two questions, two points, actually. First, maybe, I'm not justifying J.K. Rowling's tweet, and, but maybe to her it's like the whole world was meant to be idealistic. So in this idealistic world, it doesn't happen. And then obviously there's just the contradiction that it's supposed to be set in our world where this does happen. Right, so the thing is is that Harry Potter is an urban fantasy. Like, it's an, it's an urban fantasy story, so there is a secret world underneath our world. So you can't say, oh, in my universe it doesn't happen. Well, you're writing in our universe. It just, you know what I mean? Yeah, you have a secret world, but it's, you're setting everything in our universe. So that doesn't... Yeah, and I mean, I do see what you're saying, though, too, because, like, you know, we when we enter, like, the magical world, it is so, like, oh, my gosh, it's all, like, glittery and, like, shiny and, like, amazing. Um, and I do think, like you're saying, like, she was trying to also do that here. Um, and it just becomes complicated when you're, like, you know, she's from England, so she knows how to write England. Like, you know, I'm sure, like, you know, she still has blind spots, from right? But, or Sorry. She's still... She's from the UK, um, but she, like, she knows it, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah, there are blind spots, and that's, it happens, everyone has them. Um, and so, you know, it just makes it more difficult when then you're dealing with, like, it's also, you know, the United States is huge. 
Um, and so then it's just like also dealing with like all the different kinds of people and like when they come in and like it's just like it gets really complicated really fast. Um, I think that it's mostly that also like yes, it's a magical world and it's not a idealistic magical world, but it um, if you don't magically erase everything that actually goes on in the real world when you step into the magical world. Like if um, Harry, like he didn't erase the Dursleys, like he has to go back to the Dursleys every summer. He doesn't, he's, so then like whatever wealth that he has in the wizarding world does not translate back to him whenever he's in the muggle world. So if that's the thing that it applies to Harry every single time, then these things can also be the same. Like you can't erase all the problems that occur in like the natural order of the world. So that's, I think that's the bigger kind of like, even just like in a framework issue, your framework doesn't work if you don't include these kind of ideas. Is there a second question? It was about Sarafina. Oh, oh go ahead. Her, because also he gave a 1920s culture, but it's meant to be realistic on ours. It's still amazing. A black woman got to that position. She doesn't exist. <laughs> Fictional or not, she couldn't and doesn't exist. She makes no sense. She doesn't exist. And here goes my rant. She loves Sarah Fanny if you couldn't believe it. I was so excited about Sarah Fina Pickery. Like, Creole, 1920s, um, jazz age. She's totally hanging out with like Zora Neale Hurston and Langston Hughes and she is amazing, right? I'm so excited to hear this. And then, okay, but she's born in Savannah, Georgia. Her grandmother probably is, is, is was, enslaved. was enslaved, if you look at the timeline. Um, she leaves the south to go to Overmorning and like the northeast. How? 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 <laughs> and does she not get to leave Overmorning? Like she can't leave the grounds. You can't just be walking around a, like a black of woman. In the northeast as a black woman. That's you just can't be walking around as a black woman. Right. But I'm like, even like a forest. Though. Right. Like, hmm. Right. So it's just like. The, I, and and um, there's a per, uh, person, Mark Ashiro, he's a great, um, he does these Mark reads and things, and he had this really great comment too. It's like, you can't just paste diversity on, right? You, it has to be realistic. You have to be a three-dimensional person. I am not, um, I'm a lot of things. Like, we all are, right? We, we are all multitudes of things and our experiences and everything, but I can't turn off my skin color. And so when I walk down the street, that informs my experience. And so you can't write a character who is a default white character and then say, oh, and they're black. And it, cause it, it's not true anymore because you, you can't be a black woman in the 1920s and be the most powerful person in the, in the magical world in America. Hillary Clinton couldn't get elected in 2017 in America. So... And I mean, it's not... So I think one of the other things, right, is that, like, I think I think they could have made it work, right? Like, they could have... They could have. Figured out. She could have, you know, if she had enough research and, like, figured it out. She could have written a story that, like, 
had Serafina ending up being the head of Mucusa in the 1920s. Like, it's it's not that we're saying that it can it could not happen, like, period, but there's just a lot of work that has to be done to make that make sense and make that seem feasible. Um, and it just wasn't done, so then you're like, but how? I think also, though, because of Harry Potter and what we got from those books, we know that she can do the work, right? So it seems very disrespectful in my opinion that I know what you're capable of so do you either just not care enough to put in that work on our story or I don't know what that is but it's it, it, to me it felt like it was disrespectful and it, I mean, part of me thinks it was in her brain oh it's not a book it's this thing on the internet who cares but like the internet is forever and you're JK Rowling anything that you write like you write this tweet and there's how many you know billions of articles that you know because you get clicks and people are going to talk about it and so you you do have if, if you're not going to put something out um, that lives up to that kind of standard that you set oh I mean People can mess up, that's fine. And writers can have off things, that's fine. But if your story didn't work just because it just didn't work, but I could tell you did your best, that's different than like phoning it in. But do you think that it may have been more of a like Dean Thomas, Lee Jordan situation wherein like she wrote the book, the characters, like right, like Lee Jordan and Dean Thomas, they could have been any race. Anything. Um, but because they were, like, there was nothing really, like, well, Lee Jordan had to be black mostly because of, like, dreadlocks, right? Um, but if, like, so if Dean Thomas, for instance, or whatever, like, he was so inconspicuous, like, he didn't really have, like, he was a student, and it was the 90s, and he could have been any race, right? Versus, like, she, so she's thinking, oh, like, Dean Thomas, like, Serafina, I wrote her. She could be any race. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, one of the things I remember when I got, was, I think it was the first Fantastic Beasts trailer, maybe? Um, but, like, kind of early on, like, maybe it was just the casting announcements or whatever, and they were, like, um, just, like, we're in the 1920s, and look at our cast, and people were, like, that's, like, people in the 1920s New York. That's odd. Um, and so then, maybe like a week later, it's like, look, we got Serafina Pickery. Look, she's black. We have Carmen Ajogo. We got Gemma Chan. They're going to be in it. And um, and so it was like, oh, tight. Like, we have these people, right? And then you get in the movie and they're like a background character. They're there for two seconds. Like, Serafina was not really in that movie. Um, and part of it, right, is like, yeah, those people were cast in that movie probably probably way before they announced it, but then when they realized, people were like, okay, but where is the actual like, diversity? Where are these people? Um, then they're like, oh, shoot, right, you're, you're right. Let's like, just throw them out there. Are. Look, this is going to be great. Um, and so, I think... You can buy yeah. Serafina Pickery's wand. But she's like, not in the But she's not in the movie. But I'm, I, you can buy it. I think you, you look like you have a lot of feelings. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, watching, like, watching the trailer, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, but then, like you were saying, you think about it, and you're like, the 1920s, a black woman is running this giant... And wearing pants, and no one's saying anything. <laughs> pants? She's wearing, she's wearing, like, a male zoot suit, <laughs> walking around, and no one's giving her side eyes. the other character? And no one said anything. No one said anything. And, like, nobody notices, and even when, let's, okay, when coming towards the end of the movie, and... 
they're trying to kind of contain everything. And you see that she's before she gets into the enchanted zone, there's normal people looking like, oh my god, you barely see any people of color throughout the rest of the movie. But nobody's kind of like, did anybody else see that black lady? In pants? <laughs> In a suit? just walk through and then like, yeah, that's totally normal. And you're like, no, it's not. You should look a bit of a like, oh wow, this is a big deal. It's like, they just kind of put her in there and she's like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a part of that is um, like what you were saying, like Dean Thomas could be anything, right? And there's, you know, obviously you guys have probably seen a lot of like the race bending and like black Hermione and no one is like explicitly like things, but and that's okay to a certain extent with background characters, right? It's, you know, you need characters and names and you don't need to put in, uh, like all this work into their backgrounds. But if you're going to then, like, if you're going to make someone explicitly something, then it should, um, it should reflect that. So, like, when you think about, like, Tina Goldstein and Tina and Queenie, it's like, they're Goldsteins. Um, that's a Jewish name in 1920s New York. That means something. And that's going to, like, that's a very different experience and a thing. And you can't just, like oh, here's this nod and this wink to this culture of people, but then not do the work to, to, to flush that out. And even if it is just a small thing, like she's walking down the street and people are looking at her like, what? You know what I mean? It, that is at least some, some kind of acknowledgement of the time and place. And I saw a hand go up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, the Irish leprechauns and the royal coat kills me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like, the portrayal of the French and then, like, the. Yeah. Um, like, you know, it's just so, like, this obvious stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just a disappointment. Yeah, the public is just like, that's a middle ground. Like, yeah, we're already out here. And then it's like. But then but there's always a disaster at the end of the year. Yeah. 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 And Hogwarts is. This is nothing to do with our panel, but how, how, how is Hogwarts a safest place in the Wizarding World? It's not. Like, it does not. And the education itself, that is, that's also not part of the teachers. Um, but <laughs> just like talking about the schools as well, I was also thinking a lot about um, the, like when, I guess all of, I mean, all of this, first of all, is fantastic these promotion, which is why she was like, let's do this thing. And it is, it is, um, like that's what it is. Content marketing for us to go see this movie, which was to which me, we were going to see it anyway. We were going to see it anyway. But um, <laughs> just like learning about the magical schools, right? And they're like, there are 11 of them, and the three of the 11 are in Europe, and <laughs> one is in Africa, and one is in South Africa, and one is, or South America, sorry, and one is in North America, and one is in Japan. And I'm like, okay, so we still have like a couple that we still don't know, but no matter where you put them, like there are people not being served. Like, what, like how are these the only accredited like magical schools? And you're in places like even Bovatins, right? Like you, even even like you have the most in Europe, right? But even that's not enough because then you have people from Spain and from France and from, like all these different cultures and languages coming together to learn the same thing. And how does that work, right? My biggest problem with the schools is the South American one because it's supposed to be in Brazil and all around everyone speaks Spanish. Right, right. Portuguese. How do they communicate? Like, how do they communicate?
meditate and learn. Um, I have this like headcanon that there's like a TARDIS translation circuit type of thing going on for wizards, but yeah, I totally agree. The other thing with the wizarding schools too, though, is um, like you were saying, like there's all of these people not being served. She talks about like you know a lot of people have their own mail order schools or these like smaller like local schools but these are the accredited ones and these are the ones that like are prestigious um, and I think that there's also something really dangerous about that because it doesn't allow, like, I would really love to hear the story of someone that went to a small, local, magical school, um, and how, how does and how how does that translate, right? Does it matter if they want to, you know, it's similar, you know, you go to the most, the best schools, and the, you know, and how that sets up your life, um, but by having only 11 in an entire world, um, it, and we only know about one in these, like, some of our most populated, biggest countries and continents, actually, countries. Um, you, you have to work, think, too, back to the mutual respect and kinship. So we have blood purity things, right? Are you telling me that someone who wants to get a job at the ministry or at Makuza, who didn't go to Ilvermorny but went to a small local regional unaccredited school, is they going to be able to get that job? And are they going to be treated with the same mutual respect and kinship as the person that went to Ilvermorny? Like, that also doesn't apply. No, there definitely is, there is when it comes to what school you go to. Like, everywhere, even, like, even Dublin. There is snobberies like, oh, I went to Blackrock, or I went to this school, and then somebody was like, oh, well, I went to this school, and then there is that kind, of, there is that whole class thing, even with education. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Kenyan school, I was like, oh, that's fantastic. It's at the top of Kilimanjaro. So what? Like, who is going to travel up mountain to go to school? I don't. I'm not. I won't. <laughs> I'll stay at home. I don't care how. Maybe they school. can operate at a younger age. And, and then Kenya is close to the coast, and then you're like. It's not that big. You have countries like Nigeria where they have thousands of different dialects. You're like, surely it would have made a bit more sense. Or even have one in the northern hemisphere of Africa. Well, it's southern hemisphere. You know, just kind of split it up, make it a bit more even. But it just, it's just kind of like she threw darts at a map. It's like, there, 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 there. That should, that should cover all the bases. That looks diverse enough, but it's not. Like, they still the main issue. Like, people from those schools, if they did go to the teacher schools, surely they should be able to get jobs you know, in all these other places. You should have teachers from, you know, the teachers from Japan. They should be one who could work at home. You know, things like that. Like, that should mean something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right. this I think that's one thing that I notice a lot. I think it's partially because I'm a very, like, I'm um, an academic. My real job, I'm in, like, international education, and I also, um, I research post secondary education. So, uh, um, I think a lot about how Hogwarts really would have benefited from like, a study abroad advisor or some kind of system like, to go on. Because I remember here, like, like, was it Bill or Charlie? It was that Bill. Had Bill. It was Bill. Yeah, like he had a um, pen pal or something in the, at the Brazilian school, but um, when he couldn't transfer there, like for, do a year abroad, he got a, like, a nasty letter back from them or something with a spell in it or something, like a curse, a curse <laughs> letter back. And that's interesting to me. I, I get like they were trying to play into like, oh, well, the Weasleys couldn't afford to send um, Bill off to school. But also, it's like, but why couldn't they? Like, why wasn't there some kind of program, like scholarship kind of system there? But then that goes ties right back into how 
um, insufficient the Hogwarts education system is. Yeah. Um, uh, right. and, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Um, just to do with the, the interspersing of the schools, it's interesting to think of maybe the colonial aspects as mm -hmm. well. And the fact, like, even on a smaller scale, and we know most about Hogwarts, we know it's in Scotland, yet to get there you need to go to London first. And, and also that they have Irish students, and Ireland is not part of Britain mm -hmm. uh, in the Mughal world, but in the Wizarding world, we know is a lot smaller, but also more old-fashioned. And we know from the American, new American canon that it is quite colonial. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to think about the fact that um, these accredited schools might be the colonial European-based schools. Because mm -hmm. like if they're smaller schools in Ireland, they're not accredited, they're not official. Right. right. And then what does that and what does that do to their prospects, you know what I mean, after they've gone? And what other oh sorry. I was gonna say, I mean even thinking about um, like wand use and and the whole like when she I can't remember which one, I think maybe Wagadu. One of one it's of them yeah, I mentioned um, that like Oh, like wand, wands are a European invention. Um, and so they use, and she's like, oh, well, you know, like the African students use like their finger a lot, or they learn to do that, or like um, Native American and African wizards are very good at like wandless magic. Wandless magic, so like potions and um, herbology. Um, whereas like European wizards are good at transfiguration and charms and those kind of things and then that like sets up a hierarchy right and then it's like but we introduced the wand to them so now they can do all of that as well and like exactly and so like I mean even just the way that she like in my brain when I was reading it um, like the way that she um, start, you know, started in, in um, the UK because that's where she's from like sure but even the way that she like spread out into the rest of the world was really colonial and it was so interesting because I was just like okay so now this is like the hub right and this is what we know and so now we're like oh and these are the other things that like British like wizards decided to give to all these people and it just like they, they think they introduced Quidditch to the Japanese and like it was just like okay this is kind of it's kind of weird it's also interesting how much like it's supposed to be a world of mutual respect and kinship and yet she perpetuated the same cycle of colonialism and like the idea and she like it's kind of like she's validating it like this is what I learned this is what the systems we're under and this is what I'd like to repeat but she's also saying that she doesn't want to repeat that. Right, because she, her the entire Harry Potter book, all of the books, the whole series, is about, like... Tearing down tearing systems. Tearing down these <laughs> systems, right? Like, the Ministry, the Ministry of Magic is, like, this system that perpetuates this inequality and oppression against muggles and muggle-borns, right? Like, even though they are like, oh, you know, we don't... Um, like, we have, you know, there's statute of secrecy and everything, and, like, oh, we don't agree with Voldemort, right? But there are, like, a, there are, like the blacks, for example, like, they thought that Voldemort had a good idea, and then they realized he was, like, going around murdering people, and, like, you know, probably, I don't know if they knew he was splitting up his soul, but they were like, oh, yeah, maybe not that, maybe not all that. That's I wasn't a little ready too far. That. That's, you know, <laughs> but, like, even how do you not see the 
that that leap, right? Like you don't, and and you know, Fudge, for example, like he, Arthur can't get a promotion to save his life because they're like, oh, you care about Muggles too much. Which is like, shouldn't you care about the, like their people, right? And like, but but and so it just doesn't make sense that we have this whole thing, right, where we talk about all of these systems, and that's like one of the main kind of core themes of Harry Potter. Um, and then there's like this blind spot, this like huge blind spot with actual systems of oppression that exist in our world. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah. Don't talk to them. Don't sit with them. Like you know, it's just the first thing that Harry knows really about the magical world. The first thing that sticks with him is that Slytherins are evil. And that's Malfoy's issue. That's his fault. But no, that was Hagrid. Who it was, was like, there's not a never been a dark wizard who has been that. And then he met like, Malfoy, and he was like, okay, you have a point. And then I thought, it was, I thought he met Malfoy, and then Hagrid. Said, Hagrid said, well, Hagrid was telling him about. He, he asked about. He met, no, so he met Malfoy, and Malfoy was kind of snooty. But like, then you tell like. Malfoy was didn't he mention Slytherin? He but said, he said, I said the Slytherins were all evil. That's the difference between being evil and being a little, a little brat. brat. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Malfoy was actually, at the beginning of the book, he was pretty solid. He was like, hey, we should be friends. You're Harry Potter. Like, who wouldn't do that? Like, do you think you're going to say, like, I'm going to be a friend? But he was, but he was rude to Madame Malkin and the assistant while he was getting his robes. You could tell that he was a brat. Um, doesn't it doesn't mean he's evil, evil. Right, right? Literally, all of us live. How are all the Slytherins evil in these books? They all are evil. The ones that aren't evil just kind of just they just punish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you don't say anything against them, you must be one. Right, but then there's. Exactly. Like when we go to go, I think just before the Battle of the Hogwarts begins, it's a. I don't know if it's in the books, but in the film, certainly she says, Phil should um, take the Slytherins down to the dungeon, which is like, I mean, it's like being a common room, but it's like right. out of context of the dungeon. Right. It's like they're not allowed to take part in the Battle of the Hogwarts. But like, she also, she asked the kids, like, do you want to fight? You can fight. And the Slytherins have to go to the dungeon. There's the thing about whether or not Slytherins wanted to follow Dumbledore or not. Some of their parents were Death Eaters, right? You don't want to make them fight their parents. But not giving that opportunity, just go to the dungeons, all of you. I also think that, um, I want to let you um, talk, but I I think that we should also think about when you're 11, things are very black and white, right? So when you have someone like Hagrid, it's not a bad wizard that didn't come out of Slytherin. As an 11 year old, it's like, well, evil, right? So, okay. And I just, um, what in the film are just, um, evacuated. Mm-hmm. Abbeforth, who suggests maybe we should keep a couple as hostages. Yeah, does, yeah. Yeah. And also hostages. But I'm going to put you back school. school. <laughs> so this is a school. school. But Abbeforth, like, he's interesting as a character. Like, I like, I'm like, why is he always ready for a battle? Like, something's going on. Because Dumbledore was his brother. Right. But also, like, but you haven't had to worry about this stuff since, like, the last Wizarding War. So what have you been doing this whole time? Constant vigilant. man. We've been constantly vigilant. He's been trapping. Exactly. He's fortified. He's That's not, why everybody he's can not go there. content. That's for sure. Because it's dirty. Because <laughs> it's a point. It's, it's a front. It's not actually. It's not really a bar. So that's why people people asking for stuff. He's like, 
why I'm not here. <laughs> why did you ask for this? Like, yeah. no, that's not why. I'm, that's not why I'm here. It's not real. Um, sorry, it's a tangent, which is what we do often. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think like just I don't want to. And we have like ten minutes, so I want to end this on like a. This was all terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, because I think that there are ways to make it better. And like like I said with Seraphina Pickery, like, there are ways to make that work. You just have to, like, actually do the work. Do the work. And I think that that's one of the things. Like, I don't know if there are any, like, writers or aspiring writers here. But, like, you know, it's research is important. And, like, talking to people is important. Um, I know one of the things I would love to see. So, you know how, like, I think Star Wars now is 40 years Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, like, as a celebration, and also, I mean, generally, they just have a lot of writers who like write different stories depending on the book or whatever. But um, they like, you know, have all of these authors who are really like amazing. Um, it's like a diverse kind of group of authors, and they get to write these stories in this world, right? And so, I think one of the things I would love to see in the future, and like, maybe not, right? Probably wouldn't happen like now, but would be like her opening it up and being like, oh, like, you know, you're and you people who are tried and true, you know, like, not just someone off the street, but, like, you're really great, and I think you should write, like, a story from this world, because the world is so large, and I think that, like, it all came from her brain, but there's all these unexplored kind of avenues that I think would be really amazing to explore, and, like, people don't have time to write, like, she has other things to do, and I appreciate, like, I Also, think I think it's important, too, to think about the fact that, like, we're all here, right? This is and it's 19 years later, this is as much our world as it is her world now. Like, she, it did come from her brain, and she holds this, like, great spot there. But I think one thing that we can see with, like, Cursed Child and, and the Fantastic Beast series is, like, reasserting, like, this is my story, and only I can say what happened and what didn't happen. And I think that's very dangerous, because... If they're going to try to make this like a Star Wars or like a you know Marvel with all the universes and there's theme parks and now there's you know stage plays and, and a whole other set of five movies, um, I think it's important for us as fans of this world, but also as stewards and co-owners of this world to step up and say we own this too and. You yes, you are. It came from your head, and that's amazing. And you will always be very important. But there's this. The, we won't just accept anything, right? Like the, we love it so much that we hold the right to be critical and to demand better. And I think there was a hand there that I wanted to get to. Yeah, my question is kind of what um, you're talking about right now. But are there authors? Yeah, I guess authors of fantasy that you feel like really get it right as far as like doing the work. Daniel Jose Older, the best. He's amazing. Um, he has a couple of series out right now, um, and they're actually all in the same universe, which is really cool. So, but he has like um, YA that uh, I think his latest YA novel is about to come out pretty soon, and then he has like an adult. Um, so Shadow like Shaper and then Shadow House Fall is the it's, second it's, one it's that's going to come out. And that's the YA. Um, and then the adult novels, um, it's called the Bone Street Rumba series. Um, and but like they like the characters kind of cross over, um, and they're really amazing. And it's all set in like Brooklyn, New York. Um, and he's very aware of like the the 
like the culture, you know what I mean, and like the um, it's about ghosts. So it's like super, it's like fantasy, and it's super like all up here. But at the same time, you really feel, like I'm not from Brooklyn, so like I've maybe like walked in through Brooklyn like one time, but like I can still feel it. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of very similar to Harry Potter, where like if I only the first time I've been to London was last year, and before that I kind of like felt like I understood like the place you know what I mean like just he's really grounded in like setting which is really great um so yeah I would definitely recommend him he's yeah he's amazing um Daniel Jose Older um is the name of the author yeah um, this might be a little bit nitpicky, but there was a moment in Fantastic Beasts, and I want to ask if any of you noticed this or had an opinion Get on it. Get nitpicky. Let's do it. That's why we're here. <laughs> okay. And, like, really, like, the, the second I saw it, I was just kind of like, ugh. Uh, like, I feel like I know what you're talking about. Are we going to talk about, like, the black the goblin passing house Fig- Yes. 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 What's the yes. Yes. Um, so she's talking about the moment in the speakeasy in Fantastic Beast, and there's the goblin singer who presents, presents black, but it's actually a white voice singer. Um, and there's also a house elf that's like the bartender who presents kind of black. Um, so in that speakeasy scene, if you remember, the kind of the help or the, the, the staff is very black presenting, but then they're not voiced by people of color. And, you know, I, so I saw, like, even before, like, I, before I realized who the, you know, who did the voiceover or whatever, I was kind of like, what's, like, what is this? Especially because, you know, we're in the 1920s and it's the Harlem Renaissance, so already it's like, where are all the black people? Uh, and then, like, you're in the speakeasy, it's like, you know, that's a pretty good time where you can, like, throw in some something and then like she's singing jazz and so I, I it was like weird to me I was like is this the only like really other than Seraphine is the only black person we're gonna see okay but then Potomar put out an article and they were like behind the scenes here's the singer and I was like you didn't have to tell me that because then that makes it more of a problem you know what I mean like now we're like verging on blackface and you could have kept that to yourself right it almost seemed like a last minute decision like maybe right not that it's justified in that way but then at least if we could have like moved past it instead of being like oh no it's purposeful and now we're going to try to explain it it's like it was a bad idea you know what I mean black jazz black people invented jazz like I just you can find them anywhere. I also think we were kind of talking about like when we were getting ready for it, the, the movie to come out and I was like oh my god I bet you we're going to see some like famous jazz person or musician or you know and that's going to be like a little like not like oh they were magical like we're going to see like Langston Hughes and the you know what I mean like someone that we know that like existed but like oh you did what you didn't know was they're actually a wizard um, and so that was also like it was some kind of disappointing disappointing yeah yeah. <laughs> and there was another, oh, yeah. I, this might be a bit me just being now really cynical about it. I wonder if J.K. Rowling by this point is just, because as you were saying, it's like she seemed to take a lot more care with the original stories, whereas with these, it seems now more of a cash cow. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I appreciate what she's trying to do because we were all begging her, like, write more, we want to be reimbursed and, like, well, with characters again. And it's like, but she's not. Because we had, because just before this, there was the one about queer characters in her stories and how problematic it is, and it's just. In like in different ways, but in the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it really is. There's a very there's a very logical like connection there, and I like. I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, like that it's, like, it's like tactile. Saying how it's very problematic how she approaches that, and you're just making everyone here like really worried. It's like how she approaches race or how the team behind Fantastic Beasts, and it's like with Cursed Child, it's like the 
I mean, it's like, I really don't like the twist that's supposed to explain everything. It doesn't. Ugh. But it's stuff like that where it's like, it just seems like, for me personally, especially with Cursed Child, it's like that doesn't quite fit in with your canon from the last books. It seems like she's just... What I think is really interesting is like... Sh- the 20th anniversary editions, it's like... I appreciate it, but then when I first saw them, I was like, it's a cash cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about that, too, and I'm glad that you say, like, because we are always talking about, like, okay, you want our money, and we're going to give you our money, because we just don't have any... You're going to have... Just, just you, you own it. But... Um, <laughs> At the same time, like, when you read her Cormoran Strike series, which is a... I would recommend that as a read, right? It's like, I think that she's done with the story, and she said it when she finished. Like, she was done with... She told that story. She told the story of her heart. And that's great, but, like, if you want to continue to explore the wizarding world, like, tell someone else's story, and it can still live in that world and live in those rules, but, like, it doesn't need to come back to Harry. And I think a part of what we're seeing now is that, like, she's kind of retreading these things because she doesn't know how to let go of the world. Um, but you don't have to let go of the world to let go of that story. Right, like, for, you, like you know, like making Fantastic Beasts a prequel when initially she was saying it wasn't a prequel. It was supposed then to they're be. like, oh, well, let's just put Grindelwald in there. But and no, no one asked for him. No one asked for it. Like, we were just like, fine, we're going to run around with some magical creatures. That's great. That's all. Listen, that's fine. I was cool. so ready for that movie to be Newt Scamander and cute little fluffy creatures, and that's all I wanted. It was like, it's Jumanji in the wizarding world, and then, damn. <laughs> and yeah, I think that another. Another thing about the cash grab too is she's a brand now. Like she is. We went to when we went to go see the Chris Child. We went to the um, studio tour, and I had this moment where I was like, "Do you know how many people have full time jobs and are sending kids to college and stuff from this woman's brain?" Like, and I think that that is a lot of pressure for. She's just a person, you know, and I think that. Um, you have to be cognizant of that too. Like that's a lot of pressure. Um, but at this, like we we just go write more Corman Strike books because you seem to be really into that world and you're doing that really well. And we will be there for you because your name's on it. And we're gonna buy. We're gonna buy your stuff. Yeah. Like we're we're here. So. Um, in the uh, two comments, the Corman Strike. Series is phenomenal. It's so good. It's so good. It's unbelievable. And her attention to detail is there. Okay. Um, going back to the cash grab, I personally don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I, I speak for myself when I say this, there will never be enough of this story, this world, these characters. There will never be enough to satisfy me. I have been listening and reading and watching 18 years, 19 years, 20 years. I don't even remember when it was that I actually picked up the first book. But there will never be enough. And I, I sort of think that Fantastic Beasts is almost in response to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to make her money. Whatever she puts her name on or whether she's attached to it, it's going to make her money. But I think it's also in response to there are just some of us that no matter what she does, it will never be enough. But I do think that if there's going to be more content, it needs to be as well researched. Right, but it, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier, right? Like we know what she's capable of, right? Exactly. The Harry Potter series, and but also there will never be enough. So 
Give it to someone who actually take care of Well, not give it to someone, but just like don't stop trying to make more and more if it's not going to live up to that standard, right? How much? How many conversations could we have just on the seven books? Like we're the seven hundred and five episodes of our podcast, and at least they're at, on average two hours. And and bonus episodes. And, and, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so like everyone like it, we're in people have been here for like since the beginning of LeakyCon and still <laughs> talking about Harry Potter and just so much stuff. And I think um, that to, to try to like feed that impulse is dangerous, right? Because then you can't do the work, you can't do the research, and you sully the the great work that you've done. Right. And so I think that, I do think that if she could find something in the world that speaks to her heart the way that Harry's story did, yes, I want that. Especially if it's going to be a Marauder singer. I really, really, really want that. (laughs) But if I say, if we're saying we're all like, get a Marauder story, get a Marauder story, and it's not in her to tell, and she gives us a piss poor marauder story do you know how much more that would hurt me right. like i'm with you i just think it's it's part of a, a damage you do and absolutely you absolutely yeah it will never be enough but at the same time if you're not going to do it the way we want it to be done we expect it to be done then don't do so we are over time um, <laughs> no, no that's great. thank you so much for coming um, do we still have stickers and stuff we have stickers we have um, we, we have stuff so if you like come grab things you can do that and we always want to talk about this stuff too yeah. so we will talk about this until we're blue in the face yes. thank you guys cool. so thank much you. thank you for all your comments Thank you for listening. On Wednesday, we will resume our regular schedule and we'll be recording or discussing chapter 30 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Grop. Um, so make sure to read and follow along. And if you want to join the conversation on Twitter, at We Black and Nerds, hashtag Wizard Team. Um, you can follow Portia at P O R S H E A underscore O B V I. Um, and also follow at LeakyCon for. Um, you know updates and what's going down in the wizarding world more about the con and mischief management great and thank you guys so much and again happy black wizard history month we'll see you on wednesday